You're listening to Tassie Encounters on Faith FM and we're coming to you right across Australia from Hobart, Tasmania. It's a beautiful day down here, Peter. Every day's a beautiful day, James. Yeah, so once again on Thursdays we've got Peter Watts in the studio and uh, we're privileged to have him presenting on his topic uh, series called Searching for Certainty. Uh, today, uh, Peter, before we get into our program... Tell us what you've been up to for the last couple of weeks. Yeah, so I uh, got to um, head north. My wife and I, we went to uh, visit our son who lives in New South Wales. And uh, we spent uh, a few days up there with him. It was his birthday, so that was nice. And uh, we managed to get out of New South Wales and back into Tasmania um, before... Um, many of these cases of, uh, of coronavirus have been springing up. So um, we, we were um, lucky, blessed, fortunate to be able to uh, get back home without isolating. So that was yeah, good. Yeah, very good. Uh, Peter, uh, just uh, before we get into our program again, we've got our show number, Tassie Encounters. It's a mobile number dedicated to our show, and the number is 0488-880-891. And you can use that to interact with us, to send us your feedback, answer questions, uh, take advantage of the offers that we uh, provide in most programs. And uh, today we will be uh, offering... A book, and uh, yeah, we we encourage you to text us in and tell us what you think. Um, and today's program, Peter, is the resurrection, fact or fantasy. Mm. Um, before we get into that, do you want to just recap where we came from? Yeah. Last so week? yes, um, in our last program, we were talking about uh, it was called the Jesus myth. And uh, we discovered that the Jesus myth is that Jesus was just a man. We wanted to explore, was Jesus actually a real historical character? Uh, and we found that there were a number of extra biblical sources that um, help us to establish that quite firmly. And then, of course, we went to the eyewitness accounts of those who actually lived and walked around with Jesus. And those, of course, are the New Testament documents. Yeah, so, the Gospels. Uh, yeah, the Gospels, mm. what we call the New Testament of the Bible. So um, we we had a look at that and we had a look at the uh, impact that Jesus had made in the in the world in the last 2,000 years. Yeah. Um, Peter, just before we go on, uh, if, if listeners have missed our previous episodes, uh, you can catch it on the Faith FM website. You can listen there, go to the website, click on the Listen menu and you can find our programs. There's a menu called Programs and you can find Tassie Encounters and you can listen to all of our past episodes. So I encourage you to do that if you've missed out on previous episodes because, uh, yeah, they do follow through a series and every Thursday uh, Peter's been providing more evidence and more information uh, on his topic here with the uh, Searching for Certainty. I think it's time to get into today's one, mm. Fact or Fantasy, The Resurrection. Well, yeah, I, I guess, you know, a lot of people might think uh, of Jesus as a, a nice person or a good teacher or somebody who, you know, set us a good example. Um, and some may even believe that he is the Son of God. But I think one of the uh, the big obstacles for people 
um, believing is is this idea of the resurrection. Did the res- resurrection really happen? Mm. Did it really happen, or is it a uh, wishful thinking? There was an article in the Australian newspaper uh, back in t- 2019. Um, Greg Sheridan, who is the foreign editor for the Australian, he, the the news headline says resilient. It was around Easter time, and they were saying Resil- uh, resilience of belief in Christ's resurrection based on its veracity. In other words, why do people still believe in the resurrection? Mm. And it's because of the evidence surrounding it, and we're going to talk about some of that today. There was a survey conducted by the National Church Life Survey in 2016, and uh, the resurrection survey, uh, 35% of Australians um, believe it was an actual historical event. Um, 35% were unsure and 30% believe it never happened. And so there's still quite a, a significant group of people in Australia who definitely believe that the, you know, the resurrection happened. That's surprising, being that we live in a fairly uh, secular society these yeah, days. Yeah, that, that's right. And, uh, you know, this is... You know, if the resurrection occurred, it's a supernatural event, and, mm. and we'll talk a little bit about that later we, as well. We don't, we don't uh, hear of too many people coming back to life having been it's dead a for common, a number of days. Correct. It's not a common experience, no. um, you know, and so this would be very important, obviously, if if this did occur. Um, there's a, a book called The Essential Jesus. Um, And it's got a number of contributors. One of them is David Marshall. And in it, he writes, he says, The whole case for Christianity rests on the bodily resurrection of Jesus. Without it, Christianity would have been stillborn, for a living faith cannot outlive a dead saviour. So the point he's making here is uh, the resurrection is really the crux of the matter, right? Mm. There are many things that Jesus did and taught that um, people may be familiar of of just because they become part of our cultural heritage. But in terms of whether the resurrection really happened, if it didn't happen, we wouldn't have Christianity today. And we'll talk a bit about that as we go on. Philip Schaff, he's a historian, and he writes similarly. He says, the Christian church rests on the resurrection of its founder. Without this fact, the church could never have been born, or if born, it would soon have died a natural death. Mm. The miracle of the resurrection and the existence of Christianity are so closely connected that they must stand or fall together. So he's he's making a strong case that if you want Christianity, you have to have the resurrection. If you don't want the resurrection, you can't have Christianity. It's, it's, the, the two really are bound together because we would not have uh, the Christian faith as we know it today if there were no resurrection. That's what he's saying. And it's actually picking up on something that... Paul writes about in the New Testament himself. Um, So Paul is writing some years after the death, resurrection of Christ. Of course, after the Bible tells us that after Christ died and was resurrected and he appeared to many of the disciples, he he ascended to heaven. So he's no longer here on earth. But Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 15, 16 to 19. He says, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. Now, this is interesting to me because our listeners may remember I was talking about the fact that I used to be an atheist, Mm. right? And I thought uh, of Christianity 
and those who practiced it as you know the most pitiable of men you know why would you ever uh you know be a christian i didn't see the value of it i didn't see the the necessity of it and of course i didn't believe in the resurrection at that point either Hmm. um and paul is actually making the case he's saying if we only have hope in christ in this life and then we die and that's it there is no resurrection then it's futile it's a waste of time and we we should pity those poor people who are believing in something that really results in nothing Hmm. um so that's his point yeah well um you got a little bit more before we go to a break for sure so so in terms of the the resurrection so first of all there are two questions right number one did jesus die on the cross okay in order in order to have a resurrection you have to have a death yes right and so we need to establish did he actually die on the cross and we talked a bit about that in our last we did we did i'm going to refer to that again we're going to come back to that a little bit so number one question did jesus die on the cross and number two question was jesus seen alive after After the the cross cross. right so those are the two somebody once said that there are only really only two important questions number one did anybody ever come back from the dead and number two is it available to me uh, because you know if somebody came back from the dead and it's not available to me well that's good for you but you know it doesn't make any difference to me and so this is a crucial element if you like of the christian faith and of a belief in jesus that not only did he come back from the dead but he's able to offer that to us mm. as well and so this is the the important so did jesus die on the cross was Jesus alive after the cross? Okay, so let's um, look at um, the uh, did Jesus die on the cross? Now, as you mentioned, we looked at a number of uh, extra biblical sources in our last program, the Jesus Myth, that talk about the fact that Jesus uh, existed, yep. that he died uh, by crucifixion. Um, we noted a number of these notes. So I'm going to refer to NASA, uh, Tacitus, who was a uh, Roman senator and historian. And Tacitus writes, um, talking about uh, the destruction uh, of Rome when, when Rome burnt by fire. Uh, Nero fastened the guilt and inflicted the most exquisite tortures on a class hated for their abominations called Christians by the populace. Christus, from whom the name had its origin, suffered the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius. So he's going back to the reign of Tiberius and he's saying Christ or Christus uh, suffered the extreme penalty. Now, the extreme penalty would have been crucifixion yeah. because there are a number of ways of executing people if you wanted to execute them. Okay, You could run them through with swords. You could hang them by a noose. You could have them stoned to death. I mean, that's what the Jews uh, would sometimes do in the Old Testament. But he were, the, the extreme um, penalty was crucifixion because it was a way of making an example of somebody, making sure they suffered before they died you know it was not a quick death crucifixion that you were hanging out there sometimes for you know not just hours but more than a day you could be hanging out there remaining alive on that cross and it was a dreadful way to die and so when it talks about him suffering the extreme penalty during the reign of Tiberius at the hands of one of our procurators Pontius Pilate these are details that are all affirmed in the New Testament Mm. Um, so uh, there's there's uh, little doubt that Jesus died on the cross there's another piece of evidence I want to refer to before we go to the break and it's a, a, a it's actually some graffiti that's carved into plaster 
um, in a room on the Palatine Hill in Rome, and it's dated to about 200 AD. And it is a graffiti of uh, a figure that is crucified. It's got a donkey's head on it, and there's a a man, and the the graffiti says, Alexamenos worships his God. It's actually mocking somebody who is worshipping somebody who died on a cross. Mm. And this is actually very interesting uh, evidence for the fact that Jesus died on the cross, because how many people do we know of who died on a cross who are worshipped? Only one, in my only mind. One, only one that I can remember. <laughs> yeah. And so th- this, of course, is not attempting to provide evidence for Christ and the resurrection. This is actually mocking Christians for worshipping somebody who died on a cross. Mm. Uh, and so I think that that's an interesting piece of evidence uh, that f- was found, discovered in 1857 uh, at the Palatine Hill in Rome. So I think there are uh, is plenty of evidence outside of the Bible that tell us that Jesus did die on a cross. Yeah. Well, let's go to this uh, song. It's called Who He Is by Scott Reed. The lion and the lamb, the gift of God to man. Ransom paid for us is who he is. The hope in our despair, the love that calms all fear, the truth that never fails is who he is. Who he is is more than history can show. Not just written, not just told Even though our words may fail Descriptions often pale You and I were made to sing of who He Saved our lives The sacrifice of race Is who He is The darkness overcome The resurrected Son The victory for us Is who He is Who He is Is more than His who he is It's not just written, not just told Even though our words may fail Descriptions often pale You and I were made to sing of who he is Who he is Is more than history can show Just told, but even though our words may fail. 
Scott Reed with who he is. Now, uh, we're going to be providing an offer later in the program, and I'm just going to give you that number again, 0488 880891. That's 0488880891. Write that down or put it in your phone, and uh, you can text us in the code word later. But in the meantime, I've got a question for you. If you're listening today... Feel free to text us in uh, your thoughts on this. And uh, I'd really like to know what you think the best evidence for the resurrection of Jesus is. We're talking about uh, the the different evidence that uh, Peter's been sharing. But what do you think is the best evidence in your experience that Jesus did actually rise from the dead? Now, Peter, we've got uh, a few more things to share about Mm. the evidence all right. So um, we talked about, uh, again, we talked about extra biblical sources as we did in our previous program. Um, what we want to do, though, you see, if, if we want the what's the best evidence for the life of Jesus and the things that happened then? Well, it's got to be the eyewitnesses. Yeah. It's got to be the earliest manuscripts that we have. And the earliest um, uh, eyewitness accounts that we have of Jesus are the New Testament accounts. Um, and that's why they're so important. They are from people, you know, these weren't uh, necessarily deeply religious people. And it may sound a crazy idea. Uh, you know, Peter, James and John, they were fishermen. Mm. You know, <laughs> these were people, ordinary people that Jesus called and they became followers of Jesus. Uh, and then they later were able to record uh, what happened in his life and, and their experiences with him. Um, so if we survey, we're not going to read a whole bunch of verses right now, but we're going to survey the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. These are four accounts of the life of Jesus and um, what they tell us about the last few moments, the far, last few hours of Jesus' life and the the events leading to the resurrection. It's interesting, isn't it, just when you think about it, that in all other cases, we just have one one account. Typically, mm. you know, I mm. mean, I guess you know, occasionally, occasionally you have uh, multiple biographies, sure. but but in the Bible, you know, we only have one, um, you know, one book in the New Testament for uh, the different events that Paul went through and mm. and Timothy and other sure. things. But uh, uh, but in this case, we've got four accounts mm. of the same life of Jesus, which. Yeah in itself says something, doesn't it? Yeah, I've got a good book called um, Cold Case Christianity by uh, Jay Warner Wallace, who is a, a, a Los Angeles police detective who uh, was an atheist and came to faith by investigating 
the the case of the gospel. And mm. um, yeah, he talks about the fact that if you go to any crime scene, let's suppose you see an accident at a, uh, a crossroads, and you get four different people's accounts of what happened. Uh, he says it's very very rare for them to say exactly the same things because mm. they're viewing it from different perspectives. Yeah. But they're not lying; they're they're just giving you different accounts from their perspective. Mm. And we see this in the in the gospels as well. And this is yeah. well recognised. Mm. You know, it's actually an important point from the perspective that some people say what about the contradictions in the bible uh and they're not actually contradictions they are um uh just different uh viewpoints yeah they're contra- perspectives yeah they're mm. they're um accounts that uh, contribute to one another mm. rather than being contradictory so if we survey the new testament gospels uh this is what we find that jesus was scourged that is he was whipped he was lashed before going to the cross he was crucified at the third hour that's uh the time was sort of taken from dawn which was around 6 a.m so is it we're talking about from about 9 a.m um he was crucified between two other thieves so there were three people crucified that day and by the way thousands were people of people were crucified under the romans we know about crucifixion primarily through the fact that jesus was crucified but many people were crucified in those times um we find that a man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate, the governor, Pontius Pilate, for the body of Jesus, uh, okay, after Jesus had died. He dies on the cross. Uh, he is then taken by some of his followers and buried in a tomb that belonged to Joseph of Arimathea um, because back in those days you had family tombs, or some of the wealthy people did. The tomb was sealed, incidentally, interestingly enough, um, largely because the Jews were concerned that somebody might steal the body, mm. uh, which is very interesting in itself. And we'll read about that later. The seal was, t- uh, the tomb was sealed. A guard was set, uh, secured uh, for the tomb. Now, I, I, I don't see that at many cemeteries no. where you have the funeral and then they set a guard around and make sure that nobody, nobody gets in and body. nobody gets out. Mm. You know, that's that's unusual. Um, of course, the, the Gospels record uh, that Jesus had predicted that he would rise the third day. So this is Mark 8.31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Uh, here's another one, John 2.19-21. Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build the temple. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had said. So the point is, uh, this isn't uh, isn't proof that he rose from the dead, but what this uh, demonstrates is that the, the disciples are recording that he predicted that he would rise from the dead. They're saying that he did. We want to look at the evidence uh, for that. So here's the, the thing. Did Jesus die on the cross? Uh, yes, he did. Um, we have, like I said, extra biblical sources for that as well as the, the biblical accounts. So that, that seems to be corroborated. The question is, was Jesus seen alive after the cross? And the resurrection appear, appearances uh, appear um, in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, also in the book of Acts. Uh, we we have the appearance of Jesus. 
um, to Paul on the or Saul on the road to Damascus, and then in First Corinthians fifteen, Paul is talking about uh, Jesus appearing to a large group of people, and so um, what we have is complementary accounts in in the Gospels. So in the Gospels, it also records how it happened. It says a an angel came and rolled the stone away. Mm. Uh, the guards that were guarding the tomb, remember. They all fall fall down as though they were dead. This is what's described, at least. Mm. Um, and then, uh, incidentally, um, the women who came back to... So Sunday morning, the day of the resurrection, Sunday morning, the women who were there at the tomb and there at the cross, they come back to the tomb Sunday morning to finish what they had started, which was preparing his body for burial. They had actually stopped... Uh, their work because it was late Friday afternoon. They wanted to observe the Sabbath. Uh, the Sabbath was coming on, so they, they stopped their work, but they came back Sunday morning to finish preparing his body for burial. And in Mark sixteen three and 4, it says, And they said among themselves, Who will roll away the stone from the door of the tomb for us? Uh, but when they looked up, they saw that the stone had been rolled away, for it was very large. I've got a picture here of a friend of mine, Nikki, uh, we went to the Middle East, and she's um, leaning up against a, a, a rolling stone. This one's about two and a half tons in weight. It was a massive. Now, I don't know how big the one was that was mm. rolled over the stone of Jesus, but it's noticeable that the women, there are more than one of them there, but they're saying, who's going to help us roll away the stone? Yeah. So clearly it wasn't something that you could just snap your fingers and open the door. Well, it's a rock. Uh, you know, <laughs> Any rock of any size that you can fit a body yeah. through is going to weigh quite a lot. I mean, this is this is like nearly got to be three metres tall yeah. you know, in diameter, this, this rolling stone. So they claim to have come to the tomb not to see the resurrected Christ, but rather to finish his body for burial. And what's interesting is the, the Bible describes Mary Magdalene as the first person to see Jesus alive. Now, if you were going to create a story about the resurrection in the New Testament, uh, in New Testament times, the first century, you would not write the first witness as being a woman. Mm. This woman, it also describes that Jesus cast seven demons out of her. So she's not a woman with a uh, stainless steel reputation. Yeah, exactly. Right? She's not the one who you would say, this is a trustworthy witness, mm. even in those days. Back in Roman times in the first century, women, unfortunately, were not regarded as reliable witnesses. In fact, if you had six women who said something happened and a man who said something didn't, they would take the word of the man, wow. which is amazing. Hmm. Um, and that's not to say that that should be the case. It's just to say that that was the that case, was the case yeah. in Roman times. Hmm. And so the idea that you would record the first witness as being a woman uh you would not create the story that way. The only reason you would write it that way is because is if, it was actually, it actually, it happened. actually happened. Yeah, because obviously you'd, you'd write a story with the uh, with the most credibility, which, yes. which would be a male witness in that in that society. Um, we're going to go to another break in a moment, but just before we do, Troy has texted in. Uh, the best evidence for the resurrection of Jesus is the fact that all the apostles suffered and died for their faith. Why would they all die for a lie? Excellent that's comment. A, that's an excellent uh, comment. Thanks yeah, we, for your We're going feedback. to elaborate on that very yeah. thing later on, but that's a great uh, observation. Yeah, that's a great observation. Anyone else, if you've got uh, any ideas about what the best evidence is for the resurrection, feel free to text us in. 
We're going to go to a break with Because He Lives, uh, sung by Anna Weatherup. God sent his son They called him Jesus He came to love Heal and forgive He lived and died To buy my pardon Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, yes, I know.
Because he lives. It's a uh, nice arrangement of that old hymn uh, by Anna Weatherup. Now, uh, our offer today is Who Do You Think You Are? And it's by Doug Batchelor, Finding Life Through Real Faith. Do you know who you really are? Many people don't. Selfishness and pride can camouflage the real you. The true you can also be obscured by popular culture, repackaged by the deceptions of the media and warped by the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things. So that book uh, is our offer and uh, we'll give you the code in our next segment. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a good book. Really, uh, I guess, helps you on your spiritual journey to work out who you really are. Now, we were talking about the the Gospel of Mark where he was writing the account of uh, the, the, the women who came to the tomb. Mm-hmm. And uh, it would be easy to say, Peter, that, um, you know, any of the disciples, you know, they could write whatever they wanted. True. You know, to make up a story, you know, to... You know, to give them uh, credence or whatever. But um, what would what would you say to those uh, who would argue that you know those disciples just made up the story rather than sure. it being fact? You know, yeah. And this is a, sometimes a common claim. Well, of course, the disciples would say that because they were his disciples. They're mm. followers of Jesus. Of course, they are going to say that. But what I would like to to point out is all those who testified of the resurrection of Jesus and, and testified to having seen him uh, after the cross, you know, after the resurrection, um, were unbelievers. And what I mean by that is they did not expect to see him alive. So we just mentioned before that the first person to see Jesus after the resurrection is recorded by Mark. It says that it was Mary Magdalene. Mm. Now, um, and, Mary, and we talked about why that wouldn't be the the way you'd tell the story correct. If, it, if it was a made correct. up story. Yep. So Mary Magdalene, and now Mary Magdalene and the other women that were with her at the tomb, um, they did not go there looking for Jesus. Uh, the resurrection. Mm. That's not the reason they went there. They did not expect to find him resurrected. And in fact, when they uh, did find him, uh, they ran back to uh, the upper room where Peter, James and John and the other disciples were. And uh, they said, we've seen Jesus alive. And Peter and John didn't believe them. Mm. They didn't believe them. They ran down to the tomb, found the tomb empty. What can this mean? Okay, so you know? maybe maybe they're starting to think. <laughs> well, they're wondering why yeah. the tomb is empty, mm. right? But but they did not believe the report mm. from the women that we've seen him alive. And again, they would have been affected by that cultural uh, thing too about, you know, well, even though there was three women, is that right, who went to the tomb? The, the, or it doesn't say it, specifically. There are different, um, in the different Gospels, it, it, it records it in different ways. So yeah. we're not sure exactly how many women were there. But Mary Magdalene was the first to see him alive. But I guess even the disciples uh, would have been affected by the culture at the time and perhaps not taken those uh, sure. testimonies seriously. There's another record in Luke where it talks about two of Jesus' disciples who are walking on the road to Emmaus mm. from Jerusalem, which is about seven miles away. And Jesus uh, comes and appears to them. But he, he the Bible says he 
um, he doesn't disclose his identity. Yeah. So he's sort of walking with them. They're talking away. And uh, he says, uh, what are you talking about? Yeah. And they're talking about the fact that, haven't you heard, you know, have you been on the moon or something? You know, have you, you're the only person who hasn't been in Jerusalem who doesn't know <laughs> about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty in word and deed, and we thought he was going to restore Israel, and some people are reporting that he rose from the dead, but we don't want to know what to believe, you know. They're not believing in the resurrection. Mm. Uh, and then Jesus eventually reveals himself to them and they are amazed and they run back to Jerusalem to tell the other disciples because uh, that they claim that they saw him in the flesh. Then, of course, you've got the disciples in the upper room who are not there, you know, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. They're there frightened that the Romans might come calling and that they might be the next on the cross. You know, they are actually fearful. They fled when Jesus was arrested. They fled when mm. he was crucified. And so, and then Jesus appears in that room to them. And 11 of the original disciples are there. Judas, of course, is not. In fact, there must be 10 because Thomas is not there. Now, is this after a couple of them went to the tomb? Yes, this is after Peter and John raced down yeah. to the tomb. They didn't see Jesus, though. They saw an empty tomb. Yeah, they saw an empty tomb. So, yes. so they might have been wondering Correct. what was going on and, Correct. and perhaps even fearful. So the, um, Jesus then appears to them. This is the record. Hmm. Now, we're gonna, we want to test this, of course, to see whether it has validity. But the record is that then Jesus appears to them in the room and they're completely convinced that they've seen Jesus alive. Thomas comes, who we famously label as Doubting Thomas, uh, others like to uh, uh, label him as evidence-seeking Thomas, <laughs> yeah. you know. And so Thomas, he comes in and they say, we've seen Jesus alive. And Thomas is saying, I am not going to believe till I see, put my I'm, hand I'm, in his side. I, and, can, I can relate to Thomas. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can relate and so to Thomas is saying, no, I'm not going to buy that. Yeah. Even though all of the other disciples are there saying, yep, he was here. I mean, mm. we've really seen him. And Thomas is saying, I'm not going to believe till I see him myself. And um, then, of course, a week later, Jesus appears to them again, and Thomas is there, and he sees him. This is an important point, by the way. Jesus did not appear once to one person or once to just a small group of people. Mm. He appeared a, a number of different times to a number of different people. And uh, one of the most significant is where Paul, uh, you, you, the, the you know, Jesus appears obviously during the, the time when he ascends to heaven. Mm. We read about that in the beginning of the book of Acts. And then uh, he appears after that in a vision to Saul of Tartus. Saul of Tartus is a committed, zealous Jew who is uh, intent on stamping out this new sect called Christians. Mm. Um, and he's on his way to Damascus to arrest any Christians that he might find there. So he's zealous for the Jewish faith. And on the road to Damascus, he sees a vision of Jesus. Um, I've got a question for you, Peter. Mm. I, I'm, I'm trying to look at this from uh, God's perspective. Right. And, uh, and when you think about it, you know, Jesus could have just uh, risen from the dead and, and gone straight to heaven mm. without communicating anything to anyone. Sure. He still would have been risen. And yet there was a reason why he appeared to all these of course, people. Of course. And that reason, I guess, was to give evidence. It was valid to validate. To validate his and to give evidence. Because he could have just disappeared. I mean it wouldn't have made any difference to yeah. him, but uh, but yeah. to the people it made a big difference. 
But all, my point here is all the people that testified in the New Testament were initially unbelievers. The women didn't expect to go and see mm. him resurrected. That's what they found. Uh, Peter and John went to the tomb. They found the empty tomb, but they didn't know what that meant. When he appeared to the disciples, they weren't expecting him. When he appeared to the disciples on the road, uh, to Thomas, to Paul, and then Paul writes this incredible account in 1 Corinthians, which uh, was written in 56 AD. This is 25 years after the resurrection appearances, right? Jesus has now ascended to heaven. 25 years later, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, which is in Greece. He says, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 to 6, he says, For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. So Paul's saying, this is what I received when I started you know, believing in God, mm. in, in Christ. And he says, and that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, by the twelve. After that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain to the present, but some have fallen asleep. Now, get this. 500 people. Paul, Paul is saying that Jesus appeared to for over 500 people at the same time. And now this is a guy who, who wanted the Christians wiped Correct. out. He's trying to wipe out Christians. Then he meets his, what he's claiming, his mm. testimony, is I actually met Jesus and that's what changed me from being a persecutor of Christians to being one. But to, to know that there was 500, mm. he must have actually interacted with them or you of know, course. he must have Well, here's the point. This is 25 years well. later. Mm. He's saying he appeared to 500 people but of whom the greater part remain to the present. So 25 years after the resurrection, mm. there are still most of the 500 that are still, still alive, alive, which means that if he's writing this, you could read that and say, yeah, I don't believe that. You could go and interview them. Yeah. You could go and talk to them. Mm. You could say, is he really true? Yeah, absolutely. We saw Jesus alive. Mm. So that is a significant thing to write. You know, you could write that the day it happened, but to write it 25 years later and say, there's still people around. The more, more than half are still around. You can go and talk to them. It's uh, time for another break, Peter, and uh, we're going to go to a song called Love Crucified. Michael Carter really tells the story of the crucifixion and the resurrection. Drink for us that crimson cup So we might really live 
Peter, we promised the code for our offer today, and the offer is Who Do You Think You Are? Book written by Doug Batchelor. And today's code is SEARCH6. That's the word SEARCH with the number 6 on the end, no spaces. Just text that in to 0488 880891. That's 0488880891. So, Peter, if the resurrection didn't take place, we, we've been arguing for evidence why it, it, it likely did take place, but if it didn't take place, what are the other theories about what happened? You know, what, what are some of the popular theories? Yeah, so um, popular secular theories about the resurrection story is that it was a conspiracy, a conspiracy theory, right? And uh, that, that the disciples came and stole the body away, mm. okay? Um, and that, uh, you know, then they could perpetuate the teachings of Christ. He had risen. Look, there's, you know, nobody. Uh, and, of course, you have to ask how that could possibly have happened for several reasons. First, if the tomb was actually sealed and a guard was placed, how did they steal away the body? And we'll actually come to a, a section of the scripture which um, presupposes this uh, conspiracy theory or or maybe was the start of this conspiracy theory. This <laughs> conspiracy theory is actually started in the Bible. Mm. Um, but here's the thing. These, um, the disciples, uh, they boldly proclaimed what they had seen even in the face of death and imprisonment. And the question is, if you were making it up, these disciples went to different places, right? They didn't all stay in the same place. They went to different parts of the world, proclaiming that Jesus had risen from the dead. If they knew for a fact that that was a lie because they had smuggled the body away and disposed of it somewhere, Mm. would they have endured all that persecution over not just a few days but over decades of ministry and and ended up being martyred only john uh we believe was the one that died you know lived a long life and died of old age all of the other disciples were martyred Hmm. they were killed for their faith and you know normally uh con artists have motivation you know whether it's wealth or power or something yep these guys didn't have any uh, reward. <laughs> it's hard to see what they had to gain. Exactly. You know, yeah. we, we talked before about, um, you know, some people, many people will die for something they believe in. Mm. But 
people won't die for what they know is a lie mm. because there's nothing to gain. Mm. There's nothing to gain. So there's the conspiracy uh, theory. Um, J.P. Moreland is a philosopher and th- uh, Christian theologian. He writes, um, the disciples had nothing to gain by lying and starting a new religion. They faced hardship, ridicule, hostility, and a martyr's death. In light of this, they could never have sustained such an unwavering motivation if they knew what they were preaching was a lie. The disciples were not fools, and Paul was a cool-headed intellectual of the first rank. There would have been several opportunities over three to four decades of ministry to reconsider and denounce the lie. And mm. what's interesting is not that some of them continued to uh, preach what they believed, but all of them did. It, yeah. It's Nobody broke rank and said, you know what, I've got to give the game away. And just moments before um, Jesus was crucified, Peter was denying to be any part of that movement. Exactly. And then after the, the resurrection... They're all cowering in, inside the upper room, afraid the Romans are going to... Yeah, yeah. And it's then, very and then interesting. He, he changed. Yeah, exactly. And then you've got their preaching at Jerusalem, right? They begin preaching at Jerusalem. Now, if you wanted to start a new faith, you wouldn't start at the very place where the whole controversy was kicking off. Yeah. Because if you were fried, what what changed? And what your, changed and your this group of people? And your leader was just crucified. Exactly. <laughs> what changed this group of people from mm. carrying in a room with a door locked to a group of people that are standing in the open square proclaiming that mm. Jesus had risen from the dead. That, that requires a lot of courage. It re- does. Yeah. The other, Another secular popular theory is the apparent death theory. Oh, where Jesus didn't really die on the cross. They put him in the tomb. It was cold and he revived him and then he comes out Sunday morning. Well, first of all, you've still got to get past the garden, the, the stone, right? And secondly... Uh, they had a spear thrust into him to make sure that he was dead. In fact, <clears throat> you didn't survive crucifixion, right? If they wanted to kill you, you were going to die. And they actually had to ask Pilate if they could have the body. And Pilate asked one of his soldiers to make sure he was dead before he would release the body. So the apparent death theory is not very likely. Also, when he was resurrected, he wasn't hobbling out of the tomb with all these wounds. You know, that's not the, the way they describe him. So mm. he was resurrected and well. Mm. Um, another secular theory is, well, they, the wrong tomb. They went to the wrong tomb. And, oh, look, there's nobody in the tomb. I mean, that's a little ridiculous because, of course, the women would have known which tomb it was because they were there when he was put in the tomb. And, of course, if this was the case... All they have to say is, actually, it's over here. Mm. All they have to do is produce the body and say, look, Mm. he didn't really rise from the dead. Um, And then uh, it sort of gets more and more desperate as you go down the list of popular theories. Um, The mass hallucination theory. This is the idea (laughs) that many people on many occasions all had the same hallucination, which has never happened in the history of the world. Um, And so that's really grasping at straws that they all had this mass hallucination. Uh, J.N. Anderson, um, he was former professor of Oriental Laws at the University of London. He, He says a number of different theories, each of which might conceivably be applicable to part of the evidence, but which do not themselves cohere into an intelligent pattern can provide no alternative to the one interpretation which fits the whole. And so um, they're really um, talking about the fact that the, the best evidence or the best, the most reasonable conclusion to draw from all the evidence is that he rose from the dead. Yeah. Uh, now, here's the crux of the matter for me, is I think that you have... Um, You either believe in the natural or you believe in the supernatural as well. Mm. So so this is kind of uh, the big dividing line, I think, on this topic. 
do we believe that the supernatural is possible? Now, we watched plenty of TV shows and movies that have been out in the last 50 years that have uh, lots of elements of the supernatural, mm. right? There's even a show called The Supernatural, right? Mm. Um, and so, but if you, if you say supernatural is not possible, it cannot happen, uh, then I guess you're never going to believe in a resurrection. Mm. Um, but if you're actually testing whether or not this supernatural event actually happened you have to allow for the possibility that it could have yeah and then evaluate the evidence Mm. um and if you have that open mind and you're willing to evaluate the evidence the most reasonable conclusion of the evidence is that indeed uh jesus did rise from the dead Mm. as per our last offer last week which Mm. was a a link to a documentary case for christ that was really exactly what he was trying to to prove as well that jesus did not rise from and like me he was an atheist and and then became convinced by the evidence i want to read a couple of statements because i think this this makes an important point let's suppose the resurrection is not true right If the resurrection were not true, you would not have the New Testament. You would not have Christianity. You would not have the Christian history that we've had in the last 2,000 years. Mm. Uh, CFD Mule from Cambridge University said this. He said, if the coming into existence of the Nazarenes, that's the people who followed Jesus of Nazareth, the Christians, if the coming into existence of, of Christians, a phenomenon undeniably attested to by the New Testament, rips a great hole in history, a hole the size and shape of the resurrection, what does the secular historian hope to stop it up with? In other words, you're going to rip that out of history, explain what happened, explain the explosion of the Christian church, explain the preaching of the disciples when they were just moments ago carrying in a corner. Hmm. Um, he says the birth and rapid rise of Christian church remain an unsolved enigma for any historian who refuses to take seriously the only explanation offered by the church itself, the, the, the actual eyewitnesses. Um, I want to finish with uh, this. We, we talked about the Australian, um, Greg Sheridan writing uh, for the Australian, and uh, he says this, um, in the end, history alone cannot establish the truth or falsehood of the gospel's miracles. What it does establish is that the very earliest followers of Jesus, including his closest friends, proclaimed that he had risen bodily from the dead. They told everyone they could about it, often finally at the cost of their own lives. How could they all have believed this? Here's the scoop, because it's true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There it is, eh? (laughs) There it is. Because it's true. Well, that's what we believe. That's what you believe. That's what I believe. And uh, hopefully if you're listening today and you've been questioning that, uh, we've given you some more evidence to go and think about. Uh, today's book offer, Search 6, uh, you can text in to 0488-880-891. The book is Who Do You Think You Are? Uh, Finding Life Through Real Faith by Doug Batchelor. Um, next week, what have you got for us next week? Okay, so um, a few uh, episodes ago, um, we talked about um, who can you trust. We talked about evidence for the reliability and authority of the Bible. Uh, And one of those evidences was uh, prophecy. And so we want to know, can we know the future? And we're going to test that out by looking at one of the most amazing prophecies in Scripture. So can we know the future? We're going to look at prophecy next week. Awesome. 
And uh, tomorrow we've got David Maxwell. He's uh, starting a new uh, series. It's still on the uh, topic of amazing love, but uh, his program tomorrow is I Cannot Speak. He's going back through some of the Old Testament uh, books and uh, I'm guessing, I actually don't know yet, but I'm guessing uh, he's going to be talking about Moses perhaps in that mm-hmm. one. Uh, thanks, Arpy, for texting in. Um, and uh, Troy earlier as well. And uh, we hope you can join us again tomorrow and also next week with Peter Watts. Wherever you're listening, uh, whether it be today or in uh, a, a podcast, a back episode, whatever it is, we just hope uh, and pray that you have a great day wherever you are. We're just going to go out with this song, King of Kings by Caleb and Kelsey. In the darkness we were Without hope, without light Till from heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophets To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the